What's up, man? Where, where, where are we at tonight? Is it, is it, is it just men's midweek? Mighty, mighty men's midweek, right? So, you know, we've done worship, we've done good news, we've prayed, we've done the welcome. Why? Why do we do that? Is it just the, the flow of the service? Is it just how the evening goes? Or is it so that we can come together to be one body? So that we can be solidified, to be unified, so that we can multiply, right? So we want to be one in God's spirit, right? Well, that makes sense to be in God's spirit, but one what? What are we? One what? We're one body. All right. Well, tonight, that's the body of men. All right. So if we say this is mighty men's midweek, what is a mighty man of God? What is a mighty man of God? You know what? That's what we're going to explore tonight. That's, that's what we're going to dig in tonight. There are many scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament, that talk about men of God, men of valor, men, all these different great things. Um, tonight, we're going to hear three incredible charges about being a mighty man of God. All right, now, this, what you're going to hear tonight is not an all-inclusive list, but I would challenge you to look at it as a foundational list. So, without any further ado... Let's get into this. My brother Alfonso. There you go. All right, all right. Man. See, uh, that is that is great that you guys are, are really encouraged and, and, and love to make that sound. But I have a question for you. you, you, you you're in here and you're being encouraging, but do you love God? Wait a minute. I, I, didn't say, I said, do you love God? Dang, dang, do I have to say it one more time? Do you love God? Yeah. Come on. So, so my charge is going to be about discipline. So in loving God, we need to have discipline. You know, it, it is so encouraging to me. I, I, and I, I say, okay, I, I'm thinking Earl asked me to do this. And, and Earl is a wordsmith, and he likes words. And so I say, I know I have to get the definition for this. I have to get the definition so we can look at every aspect of discipline. You know, that um, the first thing is, 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 is the practice of training people to obey rules and codes of behavior. You know, um, and then it also says using punishment or correction for disobedience. I, I, th I think I can remember that a little bit when I was growing up, you know, getting that punishment and correction for disobedience. You know, uh, and also uh, it says the controlled behavior resulting from discipline. It's a controlled behavior resulting from discipline, you know. Um, and then also it's active, uh, active experience or that provides physical and mental training and a system of rules and conduct. You know, all of these different things. And also we have a lot of college students in here. So another thing is something that you get from higher education. And it's called a discipline. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? A discipline? All right, come on. So, the, but uh, there, are, there are a couple of things I want to talk about as well as, as when we look at it from the verbal aspects, from the, as a verb. You know, it's tr to train someone to obey rules and codes of conduct. You know, it's a verb, right? And then punish or rebuke someone formally for an offense. Now, this is the one 
that I really want to pay attention to. It's a discipline oneself, discipline oneself, right, to do something or train uh, oneself to uh, do something to control your and control habits or you're just controlling yourself, taking control and taking like. The, the opportunity to make yourself better. Now, how are we going to do this? You know, um, I really want to take this opportunity to, to really do this and talk about this because in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 31, it says, it is uh, a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So I'd rather uh, help myself get disciplined than to have God discipline me. You know, uh, because, you know, God is, is a, he's a loving God, but he is a, he's a just and loving God. But, you know, at the same time, we can't fall on discipline from God. You know, um, effectively, uh, effectively leading yourself as well as others boils down to discipline. You know, it, it boils down to being disciplined in, in your behaviors. It boils down to being disciplined in your actions. It boils down to merely just... Uh, just taking the, 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 the things that you have in your life and, and just really going after your love for God. Amen. You know, um, you know this, I, I'm, I'm reading off of two different things here because, say, now, I have nine, like nine different ways that we can effectively build our discipline, you know. And uh, I'm going to run through these fairly quickly, but I'm going to give them to you, and I'm going to give you a, a scripture to go with it so we can have a scriptural foundation. You know, because it's kind of like working out, going to the gym. Because if you have no plan, it's a plan to fail. You know what I'm saying? You can go in there and try to do all of these things, but if you don't know what you're doing, you just you get discouraged, right? So the first thing I want to show is you have to know your strengths and your weaknesses. You know, and when I go in there, if I feel like I'm strong, if I feel like I'm strong in biceps, man, I, I might want to do a lot of biceps. If I feel like I'm strong in, in legs, I want to do a lot of legs. You know, I, I, whatever I'm feeling stronger at, that's what I tend to do a lot of. But the thing of it is, is I still have to work on those other areas. If I don't work on those other areas, I'm, I'm still going I'm, I'm to wind up not following through. It's just like studying the Bible. It's like when I, when I look at the Bible and, and I want to go after studying the Bible, I have to remember first to start, you know, when I st start studying. Those, I remember those, those little stories that I, I heard, you know, uh, David and Goliath. And, you know, when I was growing up and they, we had a, a, our, uh, I, I guess you can't call it Kids Kingdom because it was our little Sunday school class. You know, and we had it. It's like, man, I want to know about, you know, the giant, you know, this big giant guy. I want to know more about him. But I wasn't focused. It wasn't a focus on, you know, my heart and what I needed to focus on in order to be a man of God. You know, so the thing of it is, <clears throat> as we continue, uh, it's about making a decision. You know, it's about making a decision. Like, in, in, even if you're working out, you got If you eat, you work out and you want to get nice and lean, but you eat cookies and tater chips and, and, and cake all day and every day, your meal plan is terrible. You have to have an awesome meal plan, you know? So 
even if you if you want to become a nice lean machine by studying the Bible with people, you want to get into the Word of God. You want to eat your spiritual food. You want to get fed by God on a daily basis. And I like to get fed in the morning. You know what I mean? Bur breakfast. I'm a, I'm a big breakfast fan. I love breakfast, so I definitely want to meet with God first thing in the morning. You know, and that kind of works out if my in my workout plan too. Because as I'm working out, the first thing I do is I have to have, it's not about having music, it's about having the Word of God playing in my ears. It's about me hearing the Word of God. And after I, I listen to uh, the scriptures, I take time and pray as I'm working out. And I also want to listen to some nice spiritual music. You know, something to just keep me going in the morning. But the second thing I want to do is I need to remove all the temptations. You know, it's the same thing. We were just talking about bad food. We don't want to move all those bad, uh, the, the temptations. In other words, remove the things in my life that cause me temptation. You know, uh, looking at, uh, looking at the, 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 point of, the point of view of, from the gym, you know, I, I really, uh, you know, removing the bad food from the cabinets, remember those things in my life, um, those relationships, those bad relationships in my life as well. You know, making sure that, that I'm focused on loving God first and foremost. In Galatians 5, 19 through 21, it says, The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, uh, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, uh, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. We will not inherit the kingdom of God if you're living like this. You know, and so I, I really have to be mindful of how I'm carrying myself. You know, I need to be mindful of the things that I allow into my life. I need to be mindful of the decisions I make, you know, as I go forward through my life. You know, then the third point is, is I want a third thing is I want to set 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 clear goals and have an um, an ex execution plan. You know, um, you know these are these. Now I, I talk about these things because these are things that that I I really focus on on a, on a daily basis. Because when I wake up in the morning, I have an execution plan. I, I'm gonna get up. I even if I don't go to the gym. I still have an execution plan. I'm going to get some scripture in my, in, my, in my brain sometime throughout the day, you know. But I combine two things together that I love. I love God and I love working out. So I put them both together and it works out great. You know, one of the things you might want to do if you like walking or if you like, you know, if you like breakfast, if you like having a cup of coffee in the morning, add God to it. Get God in there first and foremost. You know, um, in Proverbs chapter in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3, it says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Amen. You know? Um, the fourth thing is, is practice daily diligence. I want to practice daily diligence. You know, whenever uh, when you have a, a plan to when you have a plan, practice.
practice, practice, practice. It's like working out. I have a plan, a workout plan. Guess what? I got to do it. Every, I got to do it. I got to I gotta make sure this every week I got to practice, practice, practice. Whether it's, you know, squats or whatever. Making sure I have my form down. Making sure that, that everything that I'm doing, you know, is going to be beneficial. You know, um, even, even to the point of, like, I might look at some, some other, like, workout, workouts, you know. Uh, I like, uh, I'm, I'm not promoting, but Athlean X. I like looking at that because it has different workout plans. Now, I like going to, uh, um, uh, was it, Lagos, the ICC, to listen to Andrew Smelly sometimes. I like going to Phoenix, ICC, though, to, listen to, uh, to listen to Jeremy Charmella sometimes. I like going to um, Orlando, ICC, to listen to Chris Kopech sometimes. I have different varieties of, of the word being preached to me so that I can be a powerful man of God throughout the day. You know, um, it says, but seek, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So, in uh, my, fifth, my, fifth, uh, my fifth step here is I want to create a habit or and a ritual. You know, um, I think that it takes about three weeks to create a habit. That's what I've heard. It takes about three weeks. You know, uh, so I want to, like, get something and, and continuously go after it. Continuously go after it. In Luke 5, 16, it says, but Jesus often drew, uh, withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Do you think that was a, a habit that he had? You know, he, he withdrew to lonely places and, and he prayed to God. Yeah. And, and Jesus drew po grew power from his prayers, you know. And then the sixth thing, the sixth step is to change your perception about willpower. Now, let's say my perception about willpower. Hmm. Is it about willpower? I think not. I don't think it's about willpower. I think it's about getting the Holy Spirit within us and really striving after, after, after what the Holy Spirit gives us. You know, uh, once again, uh, we want to continue to pray, continue to ask God for help, continue to have uh, God really move us with the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, I, 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 this scripture I feel like fits this, um, this particular uh, step right here. And it's Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. And I think you guys know this. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. So we need to change our perception of willpower and know that prayer works. You know, we got to pray for what it is we want and then go after it. You know, um, Jesus grew, drew power from his prayers. In my step seven, it says, give yourself a backup plan. Now, my backup plan, I, I kind of talked about it already, <clears throat> is in the morning, Sometimes I, I man, I'm going to tell you guys, uh, I have to be at work at 3 o'clock sometimes. In the morning, I have to be at work at 4 o'clock. So that means that I would have to be in the gym by 2.30. Sometimes I don't want to get up and go to the gym at 
but you can bet your you can bet your bottom dollar I make time for God before I go to work. You know, it's no matter no matter what, God has to come first, and that's a part. That's what makes my my day uh, work better. You know, it, it feels so uh, uh, out of the ordinary or so awkward when I, I go through the day and I say, "Did I have time with God today?" I don't never want to do that. I want to make sure that every day that I can remember, man, I, I man, I was in John, I was in James today, man, I, man, that was awesome, you know. I, I whatever I was, I was, re I want to reflect on it throughout the day. So when I run into somebody who, you know, kind of, you know, rubs me the wrong way, I can say, man, ain't Satan trying to work something out today, you know, huh? Get back, get behind me, Satan, you know. Uh, in um, in in Acts 17, verses 11 and 12, it says, Now the Bereans were of noble, more noble character than the Thessalonians. They received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. I'm not going to go into 12 because it talks about, you know, many believe. You know, guys, as we become that, that, that light that God uh, wants us to be, guess what? We're going to get many people who believe and see the wonders that are working in your life. You know, it was a great it was great for me to be able to share my uh, example today with those guys from work, and to have one of them say that he wants to study the Bible. That is really encouragement for me. And then step eight, <clears throat> find uh, a trust uh, a trusted cultural mentor. You know, uh, when I initially started in Arizona, and I started working out, I had two guys. Now I talk about this because, I mean, these were pretty much my mentors. The two guys it was uh, uh, Andrew Dillard. And Kevin Sullivan, these were my gym buddies, you know, and I guess they helped me become like this gym rat that you see before you today. You know, they, they, we worked out every day. We, it helped me get up early and get, get my day going, get things going. Yeah. But the thing of it was, it came up time when that, was, that wasn't enough anymore, you know. And for whatever reason, God put Chris Kopech in my life, you know. He picked Chris Kopech in my life. And I studied the Bible, and I became a disciple, Amen. you know. And then there was Rob Bolton, who was my first disciple when I, became into the, when I came into the kingdom. And then it went back to Chris Kopech, because it wasn't long after that, maybe nine, ten months later, that I was in a dating relationship, and I was planning on getting married. So, so uh, and then uh, I had a, a Scott Lundy after I was married, and then Jeremy Cheramella. These guys, these guys helped me to be a mighty man of God, a, a man who really loves God and loves God's word. So we need to, like, you know, uh, hold on and cherish our, our discipling times, our disciples that who, who are there to help us be the men that we are called to be. And the last but not least is number nine. <clears throat> well, the scripture, I'm sorry, the scripture. Uh, in Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20, it says, Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. You know? Uh, and step, step nine, forgive yourself and move forward. You know, if this hasn't been your life, if you haven't been... You're like sticking to your quiet times. If you have been falling short, guess what? We all fall short. Forgive yourself and move forward. Move forward for God. 
You know, in Romans chapter uh, 3, verses 22 through 26, it says the righteous, uh, the righteous have given, uh, sorry. the righteousness is given through faith in the Son, in Jesus, faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all ha have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by the grace through the redemption of, uh, that came from Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as the sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood, then received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because his, in his forbearance he, le he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness and to present um, in the present time so as to be just and the one who is justified, justified those who have faith in Jesus. Listen, we all, like I said, we're all going to fall short. You know, it's just when we fall short, get back up. Stay after it. Persevere. Because per perseverance will carry you through. I love you guys, and thank you guys for allowing me to share. That was awesome, bro. Thank you for that, man. Uh, you know, I was given integrity. And, you know, I want to start off by saying, uh, where do we see integrity? Where do we learn integrity from? We can oftentimes look at other people and say, wow, that person has integrity. That person is honest. That person is this or that. I want to imitate that. There's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes we forget that at the end of the day, God is who shows us integrity. Jesus Christ is sinless, was sinless, and forever will be. If there's anyone that we should be imitating to understand integrity, it should be Jesus. I looked up the definition of integrity. It says quality of being honest and having strong moral principles. Now, I'm curious. Raise your hand if you think there exists any situation where lying might be justifiable. Okay, we got one person. Okay, we got two, three, four. Okay, five. I mean, all right, now everyone's putting up their hands. Okay, I mean, everyone. No, I'm kidding. Not everyone. Okay. I wanted to ask that. Well, you know what? We're going to go through three examples in the Bible of people with integrity that lied. Now, let's see Exodus chapter 1. Let's go to Exodus, Exodus chapter 1, verses 15 through 21. All right. It says, The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Shifra and Puah. When you are helping the Hebrew women during childbirth on the delivery stool, if you see that the baby is a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, let her live. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. Then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? The midwives answered Pharaoh, the, the midwives answered Pharaoh, Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. Uh, hold on one second. I just got to go to the actual scripture. Um, 
Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. They are vigorous and give birth before the midwives arrive. So God was kind to the midwives and the people increased and became even more numerous. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Okay, we, have, we see an example of that. What, what does that mean? Well, it means that the midwives did defy Pharaoh and did not kill these boys because they feared God, it says. But then when Pharaoh asked, why did you not? They said, you know, they do it before we get there. Now, I'm just pulling these scriptures together. Let's go to Joshua chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2, verses 3 through 7. We'll start with four. Verse four. But the, women, but the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. Okay, so we see right there, well, you know, I asked, my first question was, is it ever justifiable to lie? Now, we see in the first example, what do we see? We see a situation where someone lied. Why? Because they, they said, you know what? It's for these innocent, it's to save these innocent children's life. In this one, we see, well, it's to save these Israelites. It's to save these men of God, okay? Now, let's see one more. Jeremiah 38. Jeremiah chapter 38, verses 24 through 28. Then Zedekiah said to Jeremiah, do not let anyone know about this conversation or you may die. If the officials hear that I talked with you and they come to you and say, tell us what you said to the king and what the king said to you, do not hide it from us or we will kill you. Then tell them I was pleading with the king not to send me back to Jonathan's house to die there. All the officials did come to Jeremiah and question him. And he told them everything the king had ordered him to say. So they said no more to him, for no one had heard his conversation with the king. Now, even in that situation, Jeremiah actually said, before, when Zedekiah came up to him, he said, if I tell you, are you going to kill me? And he said, that is how Zedekiah responded. Well, if anyone asks, you tell them this. Now, that's true. Jeremiah did not want to die. But Zedekiah told him to say that to preserve his own life. And Jeremiah, though that is somewhat of a half-truth, still went with it to preserve his own life. Now, you know what? I would ask the same question. So we see, you know, someone doing something that seems like it's for the bigger picture, for a greater purpose, for the bigger good, but they chose to lie about something. Now, after those three examples, does anyone feel like there is a time that is justifiable to lie? Did anyone else change their mind? Okay, we have one more. Any other ones? All righty. Now, let's see, let's see what Jesus says. Let's, see, let's look at an example of Jesus' integrity. In Matthew 26, 50. In Matthew 26, 50. Getting there myself. This is when Jesus is being betrayed. Jesus, our Judas comes up to him, betrays him. Jesus replied, do what you came for, friend. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. 
Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him. For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But how then will the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? Now we see, for example, this companion that Jesus is talking about. He may have justified him striking this, this servant of the high priest. Why? Because he says, you know what? It's for the bigger picture. Jesus, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to get you out of trouble. I'm trying to do this or that. But Jesus says, you know what? Even though you might think that's what you're doing, you are still, you, you are still only going to draw the sword to die by the sword. That is, that, you actually trying to help me in doing what you think is right for the bigger purpose may not even allow what the scripture said to be fulfilled. And I would ask the question, all those three examples before, where someone thought they were doing the bigger, the better good, for the greater good, they were going to sin or lie for the greater good. I would say if they did tell the truth, would God's plan still not be fulfilled? You know, did, did everything really rely on those three people? Those four people to basically say, you know what, it's up to me to save the world. It's up to me to, to, to basically save God's plan. No. You see, the truth is the Bible never says lying or sinning is permittable or is justifiable. Never. Not once. And you know what? Even if it appears to be good, even if you try and use some justification, some reason, some logic, some argument to justify your sin, it does not mean that that's what God's word permits. You know, uh, what's, what's funny is sometimes we do this to ourselves. And we justify our sin sometimes using the excuse that we're doing it for the greater good. And I'm going to give you uh, some examples. You know, I would like to ask yourself even, like, what excuse have you ever used or do you use to justify maybe the good that you ought to do, but you end up not doing it? Maybe, uh, maybe it's, you know, we decide not to share our faith with someone because we say, oh, I don't want to disturb that person. You know, your greater good is, you know, I don't want to interrupt what they're doing or I, I don't know, I don't want to get in their way. You know, I don't want to be a burden. But that's the good you ought to do. You have the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen, what about maybe, you know what, I never really want to get open with my family and tell them how I'm a disciple, how I've committed to this life, I've been baptized. Why? Because I want to keep the peace. You know what? We think the greater good is, you know what? I just want to keep the peace. I don't want to cause any issues. I don't want to challenge anyone. But at the same time, that's just an excuse we can sometimes use to not do the good we ought to do. Or what about maybe overstepping emotional and physical boundaries with a sister or a woman because, oh, but we think that we're comforting them. We think that we're helping them. I'm just helping them, though. I'm just making sure they're all right. See, that's oftentimes how it works. Or what about, you know what, in this study, I don't want to take notes because, you know, my handwriting is bad. I, I want to make sure, you know, they can read it, so I'm going to have someone else do it, you know? Oh, I can't be in this study because, you know, I have these other things that I waited for the last minute for, and I don't want to, you know, mess with, mess with that. That's the greater good. A man of integrity, as Jesus says, is to be as shrewd as serpents and as innocent as doves. 
as shrewd as serpents and as innocent as doves. Does this mean that we can't do good, for example? Does that mean that they couldn't have saved all these Hebrew babies from being killed? Or does that mean that, you know, Rahab couldn't have saved these spies from being caught? Or that Joshua couldn't have saved his own life? No. We're still called to do good. And even when someone tells us who might be in political authority over us to do something, if it is wrong and it contradicts the Bible and it is against that, you have the right to not do that based by God. But be careful in everything you say. Be careful in everything you say and recognize when you're justifying sin with excuses, which, as Earl has said before, are lies wrapped in the skin of reason. Now, I'm going to end it with this. The disciples, while under severe persecution in the first, second century, even the third, even under severe persecution, could have easily lied to save their own life and their brothers' and sisters' lives, too. They could have easily lied. You know, look at Peter. He even did it as Jesus was being arrested. But Matthew 24, 13 in the ERV says, Be faithful to the end, even if you have to die, and then I will give you the victor's wreath of life. In the NIV it says, Endure, he who endures to the end will be saved. Now that is not worldly integrity. That's the integrity of God. To God be the glory. Amazing, amazing charges tonight so far, bro. Tonight, uh, thank you, Alfonso. That was awesome, bro, with your, the nine steps and Parker. You know, having this integrity, bro. And tonight, um, I have the opportunity to really speak on righteousness. Righteousness, righteousness. Like, what is that, you know? And biblically, when I started looking, you know, I looked at what, what, is, what is the characteristics of what righteousness looks like according to the Bible? Like, what is righteous? What does that look like? How does it breathe? How does it talk, walk, and act? Right? So uh, we're going to look at this. And... I'm going to here to share with you guys that, you know, when you look at righteousness, it has so much to do with the way that you're living your life. Righteousness. How are you living your life? And am I living a life, a righteous life that's pleasing to God, making sure my heart is ready to please God in any way? So uh, my, my first point tonight is going to be righteousness is a way of life. Turn your Bibles to Matthew 6, 33. Matthew 6, 33. The Bible reads, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, we know this scripture from the seeking God study. We all know it. We know what seeking first the kingdom is, and what's the practical for that? Show up to men's, men's midweek. Show up to service. Come to Bible talk. Those are the practicals. Like, where are you? Are you here? Are we giving our hearts? And that's my good news. I didn't get to share it, but I'm sharing it now. My good news is you guys, that devotion to, to one another, that's righteousness and the kingdom. So I love that. But, but then when you look at what is the righteousness part is seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness means, am I right with God individually? So we know what seeking the kingdom means show up, but how's my heart with God? 
Am I righteous with him? It, it, that's, what it, it, that's what it says here. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So there's both, you know, and am I right with God? Am I right with people? How am I treating them? Am I saying sorry when I need to? Am I loving to this person or was I unloving to this person? Did I encourage this person or discourage? I love what Parker just shared. He's like, but the sisters, bro. <laughs> it's like, man, am I doing this out of my own, like, benefit or am I doing this in a way that's just like I just really want to get closer to the sister that's a great practice am I overstepping this boundary am I really having integrity with myself I love that bro I'm just like all right that's not righteous bro. <laughs> you know it's not so I, I love that you brought that up but it's the daily life but look we're going to turn our Bibles to um second Peter chapter 2 we're going to look at verse 21 second Peter 2 21 the Bible reads it would have been better for them to have not known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. So look at this. Known the way of righteousness. What is that way of righteousness? How are we living? There's a way of life. How is that living? Seek first his kingdom and the righteousness. Am I being right with God? Right. So it would have been better for them not to know. We do know we have discipleship. We have the word of God. We have the challenges. We have the practicals. Are we having prayer walks? I love what you shared. Prayer walks. Are we spending that one on one time with God the way that Alfonso was sharing? That one on one time is not something that we give up. That's righteousness. I need to have God. And without that, it's just like that's not the way of righteousness. It's unrighteous. Turn your Bibles to Matthew six, verse one. This has a lot to do with integrity as well. So I like this as well, you know, as uh, Parker was just sharing. Matthew 6, 1. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to see. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. What's going on right here? Am I being humble? I'm just like, look how righteous I am, guys. I'm the guy. <laughs> it's like, that's not righteous, man. It's just like, you be righteous. If you want to help someone, you do it in a private place. As we disciple one another, we help in a loving way. It's just like, that's the key. The key is just, am I being humble, doing the right thing when no one else is looking? Amen. That's righteous. No one else is looking. If there's a piece of trash there, I saw it, and I walked right by it, and I'm like, man... And I did nothing about it. But then, oh, if everyone's looking, everyone can see I'm picking up the trash. Is that righteous? I don't know. <laughs> Look, so this, these are the, again, we're looking at the characteristics, the way of life of what does righteousness look like. Turn your Bibles to Acts 24, verse 25. This is, again, we're looking at characteristics, the way of life. Acts 24, verse 25. As Paul talked about righteousness self-control, and judgment to come. Felix was afraid. That's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. This guy didn't want to hear about righteousness. <laughs> this guy, Felix, is like, bro, it, this is like, this is profound to me. He's like, I don't want to hear no more. It's like, I'm going to close my ears. I don't want to hear. So what is Paul sharing with this guy, Felix, that he doesn't want to hear? It says that Felix was afraid and said, that's enough. So as we share our faith with others, what are we also doing? We're sharing our life. We share our trials, our tribulations. But then we also share how God was able to overcome this challenge in our life, and we grew spiritually. 
And people don't walk around. They don't have that. I've never ran into any place, any church, any institution where people are sharing vulnerably about their life. Wow. I've, I never have. And I've been in a lot of churches. But I will say, like, when you look at the righteousness that God designed biblically, it's just like there... It, people are going to be afraid. They're like, they're, as you're getting open, you're sharing your heart. Like, man, I'm sharing this, I'm sharing this. No one's, it's just like, they're afraid. <laughs> they're scared. Like this guy feels like they don't want to hear it because why? Darkness hates the light. Darkness won't come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. John 3, 19 to 21. They don't want to expose it. They don't want to expose. But we are open and that's the way of life, Right? And that's the key. The key is just like, all right, we're going to share. And that's how God designed it. It's real. And we're going to remain open and stay open. That has a lot to do with how we're living. That's the righteousness that God is looking. They're not going to want to hear it. But then our love for one another is not manufactured. We actually love each other. <laughs> that's the crazy part. It's like, man, it's like, man, I really have brothers in Christ and in God. Like we love each other deeply. And we share our weaknesses. People don't do that. So it's just like. What an example, and anyone visiting, they're going to see the love like, wow, this is not something that just comes up. Like, these guys, they really love each other. John 13, 34 to 35, right? A new command I give you. Love the way that I love. That's the command I give you, right? By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another, that togetherness. So, again, righteousness, this is the character, but people don't want to hear it. Look at um, Romans 6, 19. Romans 6, 19. The Bible reads, I am using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. We know our God in heaven is holy. And he commanded us to live in a holy lifestyle. Like, be holy. without holiness, you can't see God. And he called us to this standard. It's like, what's a slave? <laughs> what's a slave? I looked this up. A slave. What is a slave? Man, it, it literally says, offer yourselves as a slave to righteousness. What is a slave? Definition here. A person who is forced to work for and obey another and is considered to be their property, an enslaved person. Man, what does that look like, the way of life? When you, that, this way of life means that there, there's going to be hard work. We know that, right? It, it, there's denial of self. Where do, we laugh, where, where do we learn that from? That's the discipleship study. It's just like, man denying self when you offer yourself i can't believe it says that it says now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness i want to live this way because god called me to this standard it's like i have this amazing opportunity to be righteous knowing i can't earn anything but i want to to have this righteous heart for god you know so when i saw that i was just like <laughs> you know and keeping a surrendered heart to god and people in all aspects of my life so what does that mean? Like, as I'm interacting with people, my coworkers and things like that, yeah. am I really humble to them? Yeah. Am I loving them in a way that's going to be encouraging for them or discouraging for them? Yeah. You know, um, that's that slave piece is not because it's not because we have to. It, it literally means that we get the opportunity 
to be obedient to God. Yeah. Look at, look at um, Galatians chapter 2, verse 21. Galatians 2, 21. The Bible reads, Galatians 2.21, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Exactly what I was just reiterating. You and I, none of us, can never earn salvation. It's not earned. Right? It, it, we are saved by grace, which means, like, what is grace? What does grace mean? Grace means this is undeserved merit. That's how we're saved. We cannot earn it. But the heart to God remains unchanged. Like, I, I'm not going to not want to serve God and offer and be willing to give and that grateful, that, gr that gracious attitude, like the grateful heart. So, again, we're looking at this way of life and what, the, what are the characteristics look like? Turn your Bibles to 1 John 1. We're going to read 5 through 10. All right, we're, yeah, <laughs> I want to keep First um, John chapter 1, 5 through 10, the Bible reads, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and the word is not in us. So God is saying here, you can be unrighteous if you're not open. That's what he's saying. If, if you're walking around saying, listen, I don't, that's why we have discipling relationships. That's why we have discipling partners. And we say, listen, this is where I'm at, and this is where I'm growing. I love how Giovanni shared today about his relationship with Steve, talking about marriage and life. That's what a discipling relationship should look like. Yeah. Everyone here should be open about our lives. Like, how's Chaz's marriage going? <laughs> How am I doing with humility and considering my wife? Yeah. You know, and what does that look like? If you came into our home and spent, you know, are we arguing or are we loving? Yeah. We going through marriage bumps every day or are we like, all right, forgiving one another just as Christ God forgave us and considering another above ourselves. Yeah. That's a tough challenge. But if we're not open, I mean, like, there's no, if there's no openness, there's no fall or vulnerability, what does that mean? That means we're falling short. Yeah. That's what that means. Yeah. Um, and even if you got over a bump, a marriage bump or like a bump with another brother, even if you resolve it, let's say it's resolved, you should still get open about it. You got, even if it's resolved, why? Because you're sharing about your challenges and trials that you, that you overcame. Yeah. But if you overcame it, it should be something that you should be able to speak open and freely about with no hiddenness and no weirdness Amen. because you already got over it, hopefully, yeah. right? Yeah. So it was just like, man, you know, but this is, this is the way of life if someone is seeking righteousness with God Almighty. This is the way of life. It is. Point number two. <laughs> Being righteous means you will go through discipline. You are going to go through discipline. Turn your Bibles to Hebrews 12. We're going to read verses 7 through 11. I don't know how I'm doing on time. 
So Hebrews 12, 7 through 11. I'm coming in for a landing. Pretty. So Hebrews 12, 7 through 11. Endure hardship as a disciple. Endure hardship as a disciple. Endure hardship. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate. Not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have had all human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They, they disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful later on. However, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. You know, if you're going through a tough time, you do have the opportunity to grow. You are going to get disciplined. You are going to have your, your faith tested. And you'll have the opportunity to grow from it. My last and final point is righteousness means growth. It means that you're going to grow. Look at Hebrews 5.13. Hebrews 5.13. The Bible reads, Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. Anyone who lives on milk is not, being still an infant. Well, we know this. But it means that you're going to grow. It means that you're going to change. You're going to continuously see the power of God in your life, saying, I'm growing, I'm changing, I'm growing, I'm changing, and I'm growing. 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Might become means that there's going to be growth involved. We might become the righteousness of God. We are representing God. People see Chaz, they're like, oh, there goes, you know, that Christian guy, you know, or, or there goes that disciple, whatever they call it. Oh, there goes the religious guy. No, I don't want to be religious. I want to see them. I, want, I don't know who said I think it was uh, Tony Antalon. He said, when that guy's walking, either they're going to see Bible, they're going to see hypocrite. <laughs> so it's just like, man, I want to be the Bible. <laughs> That's crazy. But the last and final scriptures, we're coming for a landing. First Peter chapter 2, 2 and 3. <laughs> so First Peter chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted, the Lord is good. That the Lord is good. So everyone here is the disciples. As disciples, or if you're studying to be a disciple, right, we have tasted that the Lord is good, haven't we? Yeah. yeah. Look at the fruit of your life, right? Look at the relationships that you have the people with, what your purpose is. We have a real valid purpose in our life, but we're growing. When you look at what is... The key word, it says grow up in your salvation. You're growing in your salvation with God. What, is, what does that mean? What does that word mean, like grow up? What does grow mean? You know, uh, defini the, the definition, when you look at it, it means if you're looking at a living thing, like we're all living, it means that you will undergo natural development 
by increasing in size and changing physically. Progress to maturity. Let's all dig deeper in the word of God. That means let's read our word and grow spiritually in the knowledge of God and love one and for love for one another, where we do love deeply and we hold each other accountable. So that's my charge for tonight, and to God be all the glory. You know, once the plane takes off, technically, aren't you coming in for a landing after that? <laughs> Doesn't matter how many times you circle the airport, you're still coming in for a landing. Ah, I love it, brother. All right, let me... Man, I wasn't expecting to take that many notes and all this, but um, open your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning at verse 11. The Bible reads, But you, man of God, flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God who gives life to everything and of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. When you look at this and it says flee from all of this, you know, you could go back and you could look at the first 10 verses and say, what, what is he saying to flee from? But why take that time? Why not just look at what the charge is? Because if you follow those things that he's saying to do, to, uh, to be righteous, uh, holiness, faith, love, endurance, uh, if you do those things, you don't even have to know what the other list is. You follow those things and you're going to avoid the list of things that he's saying. Don't get caught up in this. All right. When you look at that list, it's like the ingredients. Whatever's first is the most important or the most of. So if you look at that list and you see righteousness, right? All right. What don't you see when you look at that list? Uh, you don't see integrity. You don't see discipline. So why do we talk about that tonight? Because without discipline and without integrity, integrity, you're not even going to make it to righteousness. If you don't have discipline and you don't have integrity, you won't even make it to righteousness. So what's the point of the rest of the list? Discipline. Man, uh, hustles and muscles. Alfonso, loving God takes discipline. Training people to obey rules and code of, code of behavior and conduct. Punishment and correction for disobedience when necessary. Man, I love that. And who doesn't want to discipline yourself because who wants to be punished and corrected by somebody else? Who wants to be punished and corrected by God? I know I don't. Um, brother, there's a ton of notes in there. I guess I'm going to have to wait for the next GNN that says, Come in now from Soapy. Hustles and muscles, nine rules of discipline. <laughs> I think uh, for me, Alfonso, forgive yourself and move forward. I think that's one of the things as men that we really need to focus on. We can get so stuck looking backwards. You know, I, I've said it many times. I assume I've said it to some of you. There's a reason the windshield in your car is so big and the rear view is so small. Because where you've been is not as important as where you're going. You've got to forgive yourself. You've got to get back up and you've got to keep moving. 
you know, I was I was listening to you, and I was like, man, I'm so glad I'm not going after Alfonso. And then Parker went, and I was like, oh, I don't want to go after Parker. And then you went, and I was like, I don't even want to get up there now. Brothers, these were in, incredible charges. Integrity. Um, when you started out, Parker, by pointing out people that lied in the Bible, I was like, man, how are we going to do this? How are we going to bring about lying in the Bible to, to really drive home the point of integrity? But I love it. You know, Proverbs 14.21 says, there's a way that appears right, but in the end it leads to death. There's a way that appears right to man, but in the end it leads to death. And um, one of those things in those three examples, not a single one of them said they prayed to God and God said, lie. They made the decision of their own accord. No one saw God's counsel as to what to do. Uh, I, I love it, man. That was fantastic. Um, integrity requires no excuses. I love that. Man. And then you hit that list of excuses and excuses and excuses. And I think audibly, how many of the brothers moaned when he said, uh, how many of us are overstepping our boundaries with sisters? Yeah. That was a bit of a gut punch, man. Mm-mm-mm. And all the apostles under persecution could have lied, but how many were tortured? How many were tortured to death to maintain their integrity, the discipline, and their righteousness? And righteousness, golly, how does it talk, how does it walk, and how does it act? I loved your 44 points and all the times we circled the airport, but brother, it was, it was fantastic. Do not practice your righteousness in front of others. Man, what we do alone matters the most. We really love each other. I love that. A new command I give you. We do. There's nothing artificial in this room. There's nothing fake. Everything in here is sincere. And that is the truth of the brotherhood. That's the truth of the kingdom, the beauty. Uh, are we slaves to righteousness? Man. Not by that definition. Well, I can't speak for you, gentlemen, but righteousness is walking in the light and confess to be cleansed of your unrighteousness. Um, you know, DJ kind of mentioned it yesterday at the staff meeting. We actually did, like, it was just kind of a little round table of confession. And it sounded odd to say it, but I was greatly encouraged by all their sin. Um, because it was nice to know that I'm not the only one out there failing. I'm not the only one out there that's struggling. And brothers, when we come to each other and we say, man, I, I'm dying here. I've messed this up. I'm dropping the ball. I'm struggling. It's... It, you get the benefit of somebody coming alongside of you to pray with you. Your battle is your battle alone in that sense of your fight for faith, but you have brothers to stand side by side with you. And by me coming and saying to Parker or Parker coming and saying to me, somebody coming and saying, here's where I'm struggling, there may be an aspect that helps me in that moment as well. So brothers, how are we doing? Are we living lives of discipline and integrity and righteousness? Are we mighty men? You know, I hope every one of us tonight has been uncomfortable. I hope we've been challenged. I hope we've been cut. And I hope we have been convicted. Um, I hope each one of us is broken in some way about some area, something in our life that's been exposed. Uh, if you weren't touched by something tonight, then I'll say amen. And if we do part two, maybe you should lead the next charge. Um, but in truth, I would say if you're, if you're not cut by something that was said tonight, then I would tell you to go back to um, 1 Timothy 6, 
and read those first 10 verses. Actually, you know what? Uh, you don't even have to read all. Just go back to 1 Timothy and 6 and read 3 through 6. If you weren't cut by something tonight, read 3 through 6 and see if that might not apply to you. You know, I, I, I'm going to give us all a challenge. Challenge. To really go after examining, am I living disciplined? Am I living with integrity? Am I living in righteousness? Am I really doing and being the things that are required to be a mighty man of God? And to God be the glory. Um,